All right, welcome back to another School of Science Radio. I'm Gino Ganello, joined, uh, as always, by Matthew Chandler. Matthew, um, we're back on the... <laughs> Back on the things we don't want to talk about that much uh, after an Everton loss. But uh, before we get to that, how are you doing today? Yeah, we've been over before, haven't we? Do you know, many times this season. Um, we had a bit of a, bit of a spike from the last week, but um, yeah, back to, back to losing ways, unfortunately, at home anyway. So I um, feel like we could probably just rerun podcasts from January or February or December in, in the uh, home games anyway for yeah. this one. But Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's literally a, a carbon copy of everything that we've done at home against teams we should beat um, week in and week out. Every single every single time we play at home against a team we should beat, it seems like it ends up like this. But let's get right into it. Everton lose to Aston Villa 2-1 to one at home. There's one change from the Arsenal match um, that was a Wobi for uh, James, who was injured in warm-up which um, obviously proved to be a fateful blow. Um, Holly Watkins scores in the 13th minute. Calvert-Lewin scores in the 19th minute. El Ghazi scores in the 80th minute for Aston Villa to uh, give them the lead and the win. Let's start off with the lineup and the setup, Matthew. What were your thoughts on that? Well, initially I thought it was fine because we didn't play brilliantly against Arsenal, but we just won. We won the game and it felt for the first time this season that you probably shouldn't mess with there's no need to change a winning team particularly. Um obviously changes massively when Rodriguez gets injured because he's so integral to how we how we attack. Um and I think the drop off in quality between him and Iwobi is just enormous, I think, certainly at the moment. Godfrey and Holgate obviously Godfrey thought it was okay. Holgate, obviously, as we'll get on to in a bit, had a really difficult game. Um, so, you know, in hindsight, you could say um, that bringing about Michael Keane or Gary Mina would have made sense. Um, but I understand why he kept faith with the two of them because of how well they partnered each other at Arsenal. And the rest of the team, I think, didn't do anything wrong with either at Arsenal. So. And also, like, again, we'll go on to the bench in a bit, but. You look at the bench, and there isn't. There's not really many players outside of maybe Tom Davies um, and the two centre backs who really could make a case for starting for Everton at the moment. So it's hard to really pick holes when there's when Ancelotti has so so few kind of genuine starting starting eleven options. I would say. Yeah, I, I mean, absolutely. I mean, especially um, like you said, when when Rodriguez goes down. In warm-ups, I think all of us, you know, kind of felt our souls drop out of us just because you know how, like you said, integral he is to the to the offense. And and I mean, it's it's very obvious when he plays, we are much more fluent in attack, and you know, it's it's just a much better game. And he just kind of runs the ship. And and when we're um, when we're he's not on the pitch, it's 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 a much different game. And and in a game like this, especially when he's not on the pitch and we're getting attacked, you know, sometimes you you tend to miss Abdullah Decore as well, who uh, who obviously yeah. is not injured um, as well. So, um, you know, I mean, the team did not perform. I mean, <laughs> performed up to standards of what we've seen at Goodison all year, as we mentioned. But um, 
I mean, like we mentioned on the last podcast, it, it's every game from, it, you know, from then on out was a, you know, a final if we wanted to make Europe and even make the Champions League and um, needed to win these types of games. And like you said, players like Gomez, uh, Holgate, um, you know, they just they didn't have the best performance. And um, it certainly was costly. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's something that, um, you know, obviously, you know, we get all hyped up and, you know, three points off West Ham with the game in hand. We have two games against Aston Villa, team who's been struggling and, and here we are, uh, dropping points to them and, and, and now falling further behind in the race. So, um, Matthew, what were your uh, thoughts on the, the performance, uh, you know, as a whole in this one? Um, not particularly surprising considering how the home form has been and the performances, but every time we seem to kind of turn a corner, we end up seem to kind of revert back to type. You know, I thought we won at Anfield and then we won the next two after that. And then we lose at Chelsea, which is understandable, but then you go and lose so meekly to Burnley. Um, and this kind of just felt like a continuation of that trend. You know, we, I know Arsenal are not kind of you know, by any stretch, one of the league's best teams at the moment, but to win at a ground that you haven't won at before should represent, like, the overcoming of a big mental hurdle. Um, and then again, we just sort of back to square one with this. I just thought the performance was so disjointed. I think you could see the, the difference in sort of clarity of, of identity between the two teams. But they look like a team who will know what they're supposed to be doing. Um, and that probably helped is held by the fact that they've had Dean Smith for two and a half years and I think he signed all, all bar one of the players that started. That obviously helped, but Everton just looked really, I was, quite, I was quite stunned almost by how clueless Everton looked. You know, we were so passive, we were so disjointed against ability and they all looked kind of on the same wavelength as each other. You know, if not for Jordan Pickford, I think we could have been three down by half time really. Um, and I felt like you know Holgate did the ring on the ball for the first goal just just epitomised that and in a way Holgate I don't think was the only one to blame because I don't think Alan or Gomez take up particularly helpful positions um, there isn't really a pass on for Holgate but it's just so kind of lethargic from Holgate um, and you know Alex Iwobi comes in and you keep waiting for Iwobi to kind of stake a claim and he Ottawa peripheral again. Um, Andre Gomez, another one who just so sluggishly kind of meanders through these games. Um, and as a result, Everton just looked really. I feel like we play very sort of off the cuff football, you know. Mm. Something might happen out of a moment of moment of brilliance or, you know, a Luca Dean cross or a Hamas Rodriguez through ball or whatever. But, you know, there's no kind of sustained partner play, which which I won't get on Ancelotti's back too much for yet because obviously COVID has thrown up a load of problems and also, you know, five different managers signed the players who started on Saturday. So it's not his team yet, really. And I would imagine there's quite a few there who he's lost faith in now. Yeah. Um, but the sort of ineptitude of Evans' performances, even though we've seen this so many times at home, you'd think, you know, there were lessons there that would be heeded. It's kind of staggering, really. And we don't deserve, and we said this before, but we don't deserve Europe if you, if you lose games like this and you play like this. Well, yeah, I mean, 
it's yeah it's it's just um you know if you look at all the points that we've dropped to teams that you know either you know whether it be at the bottom half of the table or bottom you know five of the table or you know to teams like Aston Villa who are you know struggling and and clearly have you know had their issues over the past weeks and you know if you look at the points we dropped to these teams that we should be I mean you know, we'd be <laughs> we'd have a Champions League spot secured by now. Uh, that's how many points we've dropped to these teams like Newcastle mm. or Burnley or an Aston Villa who's struggling. Um, you know, it's it's been it's it's been difficult to watch and, and hard to be a fan because it's like every time you see progress, it seems like you said, Matthew, that we take a step back. And um, yeah, it'll be. I mean, if you look at the bottom, what is it? So I was going to say the Fulham who are probably going to go down and beat us. Newcastle did double over us. Burnley took four points off us. Southampton beat us. Right in a way, we didn't have a shot. You know, it's... I mean, well, that's like... Can't, you can't points. expect yeah. to... No, I know. And you can't expect to to get anywhere if you keep dropping as many points against these teams as you do and playing so poorly. I mean, it's not as if really out of any of those games there was a good performance there or Renept in most of them, and, and that's what's undermining it. Because I think generally this season has been an improvement. Yeah, you know, we're eighth, that, and we've already surpassed last season's so all that in itself was suggested, but improvement. But this is just kind of stifling that and undermining it. And this will, I think, this will probably be what people's abiding memory from this season are. Not that Evan started this sort of improvement under Ancelotti. Back Evan just tossed away chance of, sort of European qualification by. You know, losing to bottom half teams at home and playing so dreadfully against them. And Aston Villa, I mean, you kind of know what you're going to get with Villa because, I mean, the, the Q&A I did with the Villa fan, he just says, you know, without Grealish, they just basically just cross and cross and cross. And and, and they did really, and Everton didn't have any answer to solving that. Maybe they would have done in, in Mina, who's more of an aerial presence again, but... Hey. Yeah, well, I mean... They're... um. There are two goals. I mean, if you look at it, you know, obviously the Holgate mistake, which Watkins puts pressure on him and Holgate kind of just crumbles under, you know, t- turns into <laughs> into Watkins. Um, and then a goal that we've been struggling mm. with all season long and a long range goal that nobody closes down on and gives plenty of space for, you know, El Ghazi to curl it into the corner. Like over Pickford, who, again, like you mentioned, Matthew, was was phenomenal all game. And like you said, if it wasn't for him and, and we've, you know, we got on him, uh, we've been on him, you know, a fair, fair bit, but I think over the, you know, out of anyone over the past, you know, few months, he's probably made the significant, most significant improvement um, because he has been yeah, yeah. In, in many games and kept us in many games. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's just, it's frustrating to watch. It's frustrating to be a fan of because there is, significant improvement there as well. It's just, it's masked by these, these poor performances. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think, like I said, I think next season will be like the ones to really judge on Chelsea. But yeah. even that, you know, it just doesn't, this season feels like such a missed opportunity in a way because, um, you know, had it been backed up, the great results they've had away with just routine wins at home. And I know obviously the home the home crowd absence takes something away, but I think that excuse can only really go so far, to be honest. 
I mean, you can say, I mean, 11 v 11, I mean, you should still get one win, surely, out of Aston Villa, Leeds, Burnley, Newcastle, and Fulham at home. And they got no points, which is just horrendous. Um, but, you know, I, I, like I said, I think there's a lot of players who probably won't be, won't be uh, in these plans long term. So I think it's just about muddling through for the rest of the season. If we get Europe, we get Europe, but um, we probably won't deserve it. And then I think next, I think this summer we can kind of start to rebuild properly. I think. Yeah, I think you know it's just a sign of you know that there's still a lot of work to be done. Even though there's been improvements, there's still a lot of be work work to be done in this squad. And you know I think we've seen that progressively throughout the season. So we'll see. Um, obviously, these next few games will be. You know, if it, like you said, if we get into Europe, it, it may not be deserved, but we'll be there, and and that'll be awesome. Um, but I think that, um, you know, these next few games will, will show us, I don't know, I guess where, where we are. And, and, and I mean, I, although we know where we are at this point, but you know, there's a lot of work to be done. <laughs> there's a lot of work to be done still. And, and hopefully Ancelotti can, can do that in, in the summer and, you know, kind of fill up most of these holes. Um, we've kind of talked about Holgate and Gomez and it will be. Um, you were kind of talking about this, Matthew, in terms of Ancelotti and the substitutions, but you know, you wrote about this as well. Um, yeah. you know, it, it's, you're not wrong. <laughs> it's hard to blame a guy who doesn't have many options at the bench. Thank you. But if, if you, if you want to just go and yeah. tell about kind of what you were, you were saying in the article. Yeah. I mean, there's kind of constant now on i guess on social media people's paying you can't people blaming Ancelotti, and then people kind of blaming the people who blame Ancelotti, and so on um and i inside like you said things like starting holgate was a mistake starting Gomez was a mistake why yeah. why tom day i know he's injured but why Tom Davies is below seemingly now after such an improved run of form this season is is baffling. But other, I mean, you know, I I, I kind of I had a look at the numbers because um, Fabian should say sorry, Delph, Josh King, and Bernard came on in case you need remember reminding, which you might do because none of them did anything really. Josh King had a shot which he dragged wide. Um, none of them made any impact, but then. You know, you look at you look at the nine players on the bench. You had two two goalkeepers again. You had the three who came on. I mean, Josh King hasn't scored all season for us. Uh, Dell's got more red cards than goals for Everton. Um, Bernard, I think, has scored just once off the bench. So you got the three of them. You got Davies, who is a good player, but is not really that a game changer, and has been kind of played best as a as a deeper defensive midfielder this season. Uh, and then you've got Nkunku, and then you've got the two centre-backs, Keane and Mina, who are actually, you know, between them, the biggest goal threat this season, because they've got seven between them. Um, so, what really people expected, Ancelotti, what, what else you can really expect Ancelotti to, to conjure up? I don't, I just don't see it. I mean, like I said, I'd look at the numbers. He's, he has made from the 41 games we played this season. He's made 116 subs. Four of those subs have gone on to score. 
Um, and only one of them was in the league, and that was Sigurdsson from the penalty spot against Liverpool. Just five of them have contributed assists. Um, and to put that into context, Man United subs this season in the Premier League alone have, have scored ten goals and made ten, made six assists. So we just don't we don't have it's 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 not a new problem because I think most of us have known this all season. But we just don't have anything kind of below the surface really. Um, and I think. You know, like I said, there are players in the squad that he's inherited and that he's improved, like Keane, Mina, Tom Davies, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, etc. Uh, and all of his signings, apart from Josh King, have been hits. But I just think there's still too many in the squad who are kind of beyond Ancelotti's coaching or beyond saving and just need to have run their course, not Evan. Um, and he's having to play them because nobody else. I mean, you saw the bench at Brighton the other week and he was kind of reticent to, to throw them in, throw all those kids in as well. So, like I said, I just think he's trying to get by with what he's got until summer and then continue the kind of role that he started last summer, I think. So I don't think, while I thought the substitutions had no impact, I don't really see what else Angelsi could have done because there isn't, there isn't, like, there is not a game changer or a super sub on that. You know, like how, I mean, I, I made this point in the article, you know, um, Martinez had players like Stephen Naismith or Dale Fay who would come off and maybe put in a good ball or you know, nick a goal. Uh, David Moyes had like Anna Chibi. You know, Ronald Koeman had Umar in the ass for that one game when he came on and scored and <laughs> made made Koeman look an idiot. Uh, Ancelotti doesn't have anyone like that. So, you know, beyond the starting start 11, he hasn't got anything to really play with or put his, pin his hopes on. So, yeah, I understand the frustration with Ancelotti about his selection and with his subs. And maybe at times it's a bit too negative. The way we play doesn't really feel like we control games enough. But I think that's another problem, which hopefully, hopefully will kind of iron itself out in time. Yeah, I mean, hopefully, we, like you said, we've been talking about this all season. This isn't anything new. Um, we've been saying that depth has been an issue all season, but I think it's just becoming more and more evident as this season goes on and, and in pivotal spots that Ancelotti just doesn't have anybody to turn to. Um, and it's, and it's become a problem because it really is when you look at the bench and you know, it's, it's like, who do you go to? <laughs> who is the guy that's going to make a difference here? And it's hard to say that any of those guys are going to make differences. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see again, Ancelotti still has a lot of work ahead of him, but he'll have a full summer to kind of evaluate and and um, and go try and pick up guys that, that he feels the squad needs. So it'll be interesting to see how it how it all plays out this summer. It's it's a pivotal and a very important summer for Everton um, once again if if they want to continue their their trajectory and and hopefully take what they've improved on this season and, and continue to grow from that. Um, Let's just take a look before we go into, uh, you know, Europe, um, Europe, European talk, and then take a break. Let's talk about, let's just go through Pete's five telling stats. Obviously, uh, we've talked about it a little bit already. There's no place like home. This is Everton's worst home record in the club's 143-year history. They have um, averaged just 1.12 points per game at home this season which would break the previous low of 1.14 back in 1957-58. <laughs> yeah. Cool. 
Exactly. And, 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 and uh, you know, on the road, they would be breaking their away record in club history. So just, just a weird season overall for Everton. Um, you know, Everton haven't won a game at home at all, all. Excuse me. Haven't won a game at all this season at home when the game was level at half. Um, which, again, I think that's right. the lack of subs and lack of people that Angela yeah, yeah. put on. Um, Obviously, we talked about Holgate. Holgate, obviously, the big error. He completed also just 69.6% of his passes, which um, is not good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Continuing with the – you know, you mentioned, Matthew, also that the starting 11 featured players signed by five different managers, which is, again, a hard thing to deal with. Um, and then finally, the one good thing that came out of this game, again, as we mentioned, Pickford, um, he's conceded less goals than expected this season. I think there's um, an expected goals of 33. He's conceded 32.3. So um, that's your five telling stats. Um, with that said, um, go ahead. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? Something. Uh, oh, yeah. I think... Like one of the things I've seen, which kind of Pete touches on, is this idea that even since Marcus Ulbo was in charge, about we haven't won games from behind, or we haven't kind of you know won games that have been level, as Pete said. But it almost feels like just going back to the point about the squad, <laughs> you may as well just kept Silver if you're not going to get Ancelotti the players to to let him do his do his best work. And I don't I don't think that like best managers need the best players because we've already seen how some players have improved a lot under Ancelotti. But like I, like I said, some you can't get by with as many kind of subpar players as you've got. Yeah. You know, and he can't improve everyone. He's not, you know, he's not a magician, is he? So it feels like a wasted appointment, really, Ancelotti, if we don't back the players up, back back it up by getting in the players he needs to to get us there. Because like I said, a few of them he can improve and he has done, but there's some that just, just won't. I mean, I don't want to... I don't like kind of digging players out, but you look at someone like Iwobi, you know, have, did you ever see anything more consistently good from him at Arsenal or under Silva? You know, not really. Gomez, again, has he been consistently good since really signed permanently? You know, I think he's a good footballer, but I just think his, his injury has taken its toll. And even before his injury, I think he was... I'm struggling. Um, I like Coleman. I thought he's poor on Saturday, but I think 32 and now he kind of needs to be looking at a replacement there, you know. Um, and then players like Bernard and King and Delph, etc., who just seem like they've they got no chance of kind of staying long term. I think. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of fat that needs to be trimmed. I think, but I think we already knew that before before Saturday, didn't we? Yeah, I, I think, you know, also it's just, you know, you look across even the starting lineup and it's it just feels like there's some positions that aren't as consistent as they need to be in terms of being picked week in and week out. You know, the center of the midfield, obviously there's injuries, but um, – and, and obviously you would have Ducore and, and Allen there nine times out of ten. But, um, you know, I, I you mentioned, Matt, you know, Seamus Coleman, need a right back. So there, there's definitely holes even in the starting lineup that need to be filled. But, um, 
but I think, you know, I, I think they, they, you know, I don't, I don't think they've, you know, with, with Rodriguez and, and other players in la- even last summer, I think they've, you know, given Ancelotti, um, you know, done their best to get Ancelotti the players he wants. And now we'll see if they can do it this summer as well. Because, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, you know, it's yeah, but I think you can't, you, you're never going to get like a complete overhaul last summer. Yeah. Yeah. I think exactly. the, the four players you got last summer have obviously been four of the best players this season, actually. Yeah. When exactly. they, when they've been fit and playing. Yeah. Um, I think that the same again this summer. We'll, we'll, I don't want to go overboard and sign too many players at once because I think we saw the wrong recruitment. Yeah, they were the wrong players anyway. But I don't think I don't like signing too many players at once because it just makes it so hard to gel. Um, but I, th- I think we can get away with shipping a few out and ship, um, bringing a few more in. Certainly, we need to because you can see otherwise just just how kind of we will go nowhere with this squad. With our best eleven, I think we've got a chance, but we you need more than that over the course of the season, clearly. Yeah, especially with the the injury history of some of our players. So um, it'll be. Yeah, a, yeah, I agree. I think we probably need at least probably you know probably no more than four or five, I guess, brought in, and then probably a similar amount shipped out, maybe three to four shipped out. You know, the Wobies of the world and stuff like that. So we'll see. Um, <laughs> But um, let's talk about Europe real quick before we head to break and then go break down West Ham. Um, where does this leave Everton in the European hopes? Obviously, Leicester, as we know, Leicester drew. Chelsea and Tottenham won. Liverpool did not play after the protests yesterday. Um, West Ham away to Burnley tonight, um, which is Monday. Uh, day of recording is, is Monday. Um, and now we're nine behind Chelsea in fourth and four points behind Tottenham in fifth. What are your opinions on where this leaves us in Europe now? Um, I think we will at least finish eighth. I know that's not enough for Europe, but I think... Because I do think as, as wretched and as abysmal as we, as we have been at home, I think Sheffield United at home... You know, you would you would think it's three points. You would think, um, yes, you would think being the operative word. There. Um, and then I think the Wolves home game. I think you will see a big improvement and a big lift because there will, there should be ten thousand Evertonians there. Um, and in fact, if you look at the two games in December where we had two thousand fans against Chelsea and Arsenal, we won both of them. So I don't think it's, it's any coincidence, really. Um, so I, w- I would think we would get six points out of that, which I think will be enough for at least eighth. Um, the three away games, I think, are the decisive ones. I think if you can beat West Ham, maybe. But I think West Ham is now a must-win to keep it keep that alive. Because uh, Man City on the last day, yeah, maybe you've got a chance if they've got one eye on the Champions League final and have already wrapped up the league title, as they almost certainly will have done. But it doesn't make it an easy home game, does it? Um, and then Aston Villa have just beaten us, so of course we're better away. But you know, it's not going to be an easy game. Um, Grealish might be back by then. You don't know. Um, so I don't think I don't think you can't. I don't think you can rule out Europe yet because it, we're still you know, we're only two points behind Liverpool, um, three behind West Ham, having played the same amount of games as them. I think you can rule out the Champions League because the Champions League is 
yeah, you know, we're nine points behind Chelsea with a game in hand, but we just we don't look like a Champions League team anyway, do we? So, um, I I think West Ham will probably be the decisive game. I think if we lose that, it's over. I think if we win that, we are right back in it. But problem with Everton all season really has been consistency. Um, so and in fairness, we and again, like I said, do go ahead. Say that again, sorry. No, no, just... no what do you say? In fairness, we uh, we don't really have the we have the cards kind of stacked against us here too in terms of other teams' remaining schedules. I mean, none of these other teams that are in front of us have very difficult schedules. It's you know, Liverpool has you know. No, but neither neither do we on paper. No, yeah, neither do we. But Samson, you know, Man United, we need teams to drop points. Don't trust, but we're better against the better teams, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah absolutely. True. But then we are better against the better teams, aren't we? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so, you know, we'll we'll see. But I mean, it's not that's not in our favor because teams we need teams to drop points. So we'll see how it plays out. But because um, right now West Ham and Liverpool still have are now now have the same amount of games again time of time of recording. So West Ham, who's currently only three points in front of us right now, could be six points in front of us by the end of today with. Granted, they do play us, but they play Brighton, Southampton, and West Brom, the other three games. So, yeah. be, it, you know, it, even if we win all five, it may not be, you know, may not be enough, but um, we'll, <laughs> we'll see how it plays out. Um, anything else you want to you wanna add here, Matthew? No, I'm happy, I'm happy to uh, consign this game to memory. Yeah. Maybe, and like I said, maybe, maybe we can rerun this podcast after the Sheffield United game uh, in two weeks. More than, more than likely. More than yeah. likely we've seen but uh all right let's take a quick break um and when we come back we will talk about that west ham game next week all right we're back and we're talking about um everton versus west ham united this will take place sunday may 9th um 4 30 p.m over in england 11 30 a.m over here on the east coast um West Ham currently in sixth, uh, but they could go fifth if they beat Burnley again tonight. They're, they play Burnley away. Um, so if they do that, they will be in fifth place, six points above us, as we just mentioned. Um, their last, Our last meeting with West Ham, we lost one nothing back in January. Um, West Ham's last game was one nothing loss to Chelsea. Um, Matthew, let's start with us. What are some of the changes you expect to see from – uh, for this Villa game, if any. I think you'll see Mina come in, probably, for Mason all good. Um, I would quite like to see us go back to the back five, actually, um, because I think that utilises Seamus Coleman best. He's much more comfortable playing as a wing-back now. Um, so maybe, you know, maybe... I would actually stick with Holgate, but I would think put Mina... In as well as Godfrey and Holgate, because I think Holgate is a lot more, um, a lot more, what's the word, a lot more dependable, maybe in a back three. I think he, I don't think Michael Keane is, I think Michael Keane out of the four of them mm-hmm. is the least uh, capable of playing in a back three. Um, so maybe Mina in for. No, Gomez maybe, um, and then if Rodriguez is back, 
obviously Hebrew coming through will be. Uh, I think Alan, Alan and Sigurdsson will play. Um, I think that's it really. But again, that's not because that nobody deserves to be dropped. There's just nobody else really that you can play. I mean, again, Tom Davies is probably the only one, apart from the two centre backs, that you think maybe you know they deserve they deserve to start. Um, but there's nobody. No one's. You know, Josh King didn't stake a claim on Saturday, or Bernard didn't, Fabian Dell didn't. So, like, this is it. This is really this is the hand that we've got. Really, I think for the rest of the season now. Um, and I think Antoine will probably be pinning his hopes on getting to Corey back before the end of the season, uh, assuming it's not too late by then. Assuming the season is salvageable by then. Um, but I, I can't, like I said, apart from Mina and Rodriguez. I can't really see many of the changes because I don't really know how you get better than the team that started against Villa, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't disagree with that. I can't see many changes, um, but we'll see. We'll see how um, I, you know the back five probably might or might be a good idea, um, but we'll see how how Angelotti wants to play it. What are your thoughts on yeah. Matthew? Well, before I before I actually just start with we that West Ham game is the first of five in the in the last fortnight of the season. So whether he'll make changes with that in mind, you know, the fact we've got quite a busy end to the season, um, I don't know. But um, at this point, though, it's you know, if if people are healthy, do or die, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Going to get a yeah. rest eventually. Yeah. West, yeah. yeah. West Ham are a a weird team, aren't they? Because I think West Ham are one of the few teams that maybe have benefited from having no fans, to be honest. Because you can't you see previously how their home ground could be quite a toxic atmosphere. And obviously a lot of fans didn't, didn't take to their new stadium, etc. So maybe that's helped in a way that Everton have been hindered. Um but you know, you've got to give a lot of credit as well to David Boys because um, even at the start of the season when they got beat by Newcastle on the first day I remember watching that and thinking they're in a world of trouble here because they look totally abject um, and he's, they really turned it around so I think he's made very sort of Moyes-esque signings uh, with like hard working not very flashy players but um, you know industrious players who uh, kind of run through brick walls I like Jared Bowen I think he's a good player I like Suchek midfield goal threat <laughs> which we could do with um, Jesse Lingard's obviously proved a lot since he went on loan there they don't have a striker as well I think that's the other thing I mean they played Bowen and Lingard up front last week uh, Bowen's kind of more of a winger and Lingard's more of a number 10 isn't he so um, <laughs> he has done very well I think he's probably manager of the year more because like you know com- considering what he's had I think he's probably made the best of his of what's that? Just what at his disposal. Yeah. And maybe a bit of a lesson there for Ancelotti or Everton in terms of you know maximising what you've got. Um, even if, like I said, Ancelotti, I think he's probably doing as best he can with some of these players. So, um, you know, West Ham in the reverse game. The reverse game was absolute torture to watch. It so in that New Year's Day game, which was just so terribly boring until West Ham got that late winner. Um, I think this. I think this game will be better. I think it'll be more open. West Ham seems to have a lot of three-two games at the moment, uh, but 
I wonder. I wonder if they're slightly, you know, slightly running out of steam a bit because they got beat by Newcastle, got beat by Chelsea. They played. They played pretty well in parts of both games. To be fair, so be interested to see how they get on at Burnley tonight. You know, which looks on paper a more winnable game. Um, and then their remaining fixtures are Burnley, Everton, Brighton, West Brom, Southampton. That's it's <laughs> pretty kind running, um, but we'll see. But I think. I think this will be. Um, I, I don't think this will be. You know, we won at Leicester, we won at Tottenham, we, we drew at United, and that we beat Liverpool. They're all above us, so I don't, I don't see why we can't go to West Ham and win. Um, seems hard to say that after you've just watched us lose so ineptly against Aston Villa, but that's kind of the way Everton's season's gone. Um, so yeah, they are a good team, but I think they are a beatable team and. Mm-hmm. Given Evans, given Evans uh, away record, you know, be quietly confident. I would say that I think West Ham have the second best home record in the in the league, though. So, and that kind of feeds what we're saying about maybe they benefited from having no no fans there uh, more than most. I know every every team wants their fans. I'm not saying, but yeah, they have the second best home record in the league. So, uh, it'd be a hard game, but I I don't. You know, it's not Man City away, is it? It's certainly winnable. Yeah, no, it's de- it's definitely um, definitely a winnable game. It will be an interesting. Um, I mean, they just seem like they're just they're, they're firing on all cylinders in terms of just being very, um, just a very good team. Like you know, well, or David Moyes has done a very good job of of kind of keeping them together, and and you know, obviously bringing in Jesse Lingard has helped them. Um, but they're very, you know, you know maybe not disciplined, but they, they know what they need to do week in and week out and they go, they go out there and they do it, um, you know, and, and they beat the teams they should beat and um, compete against the teams um, maybe that they, you know, are, are above them or whatnot, but it, it'll be an interesting game. It's not a um, unwinnable fixture, but you know, if you got, you know, second best, second best uh, um, home versus uh the you know our best at least our best away record um in in club history that'll be a that'll be an interesting little matchup there um matthew what's your prediction for this only for an entertaining 2-2 um i won't back out to win even though i said they can um but you know our away our away form has obviously been so much better this season and I think our only loss since in the last six months away has been Chelsea so um, no reason to really fear West Ham especially if you know Declan Rice is out Antonio is out Cresswell might be out he's had a really good season for them so um, I think if you keep Lingard quiet I think Lingard's kind of their talisman at the moment Um, I think Evan could certainly get something but having seen what I saw on on uh, on so on Saturday, I can't really. Although we do have a we do have a, a record of like, you know, following up these terrible home results with a good, you know, impressive away result. I remember we won at Leeds after losing at Newcastle. Um, we we won at Anfield after losing to Fulham and Man City in in space of days. So maybe it'll kick out into life, but. Um, I'll go for, I'll go for two two just because I think West Ham are a good team and, and will be difficult to break down. 
um, and obviously have that good home record. So two two, I think. Yeah, I'm going to go with a tie too, but I'm going to go with one one. Um, I don't know. I, I kind of figure, you know, Everton might play well defensively. Um, figure West Ham will get a goal, but um, I think Everton can get a goal too. But it it all depends. You know, if there is no Hamas, I think a goal may, may be our, um, you know, the height of what we can get in this game. So um, we don't know his current injury situation as of right now. So we'll see how um, it plays out. But I got, I got, I'll, I'll go one-one just to be a little bit different. But I, I think a draw may uh, maybe what we're looking at here. Um, Matthew, anything else you want to add before we wrap things up here? Uh, no, no, I think, you know, I'm sure we'll, we'll do this next week and hopefully have more positive things to talk about, but I won't hold my breath on that, you know. (laughs) Neither will I, neither will I. All right, Matthew, thank you, uh, for joining me as always. No problem, Gina. Um, and to you guys out there, uh, thank you for listening. We appreciate it. We appreciate you, you downloading, subscribing, um, keep doing that. Tell them, tell friends, tell, tell family to do the same. If they want to listen to an Everton podcast, um, we appreciate all the support and we'll talk to you guys next week.